Awesome. Well, welcome back to Perfect Match Franchise. Uh, and Steve and I today are going to talk about the cost of owning a franchise. So where should we start? I mean, there's a lot of cost, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all good costs, too, by the way. Um, but I would say let's just start with the initial cost, and we can kind of give a generic overview of what costs are for a franchise brand, because as most people know, depending on the brand that you go with, there's going to be different costs, and those costs can vary. So yeah. uh, just to go with the most common being the franchise fee. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and I was joking about there being a lot of costs. Yeah. There, but it all <laughs> depends on the specific franchise. But pretty much every franchise, and like anything, there's exceptions to the rule, but most franchises have a standard franchise fee. So that includes, um, you know, everything from the exclusive territory right, uh, usually means access to their uh, operating systems, right? So usually they're, they're, they're systems uh, that they've already created. It also generally includes some form of initial training. And the costs really vary depending on not only the particular brand franchise, but also the, um, the amount of territory that you purchase. So obviously if you're going to purchase more than one territory uh, or a larger section of a territory, you're going to have a more expensive franchise fee than if you're going to buy just one. So it really just kind of varies depending on what you're trying to do and what brand. Yeah, and, and it's important to note the franchise fee is usually a one-time upfront buy-in. So that's usually a larger lump sum. Uh, for a lot of brands, it can range from anywhere from 10 to you know, a hundred thousand dollars say, yeah. but I would say your average brand's probably around, you know, 20 to 30,000. And that's, like I said, the initial buy-in and that gives you the rights to basically be a franchisee. Yep. And this is something for people to, uh, to understand. It really kind of depends also on what you're, uh, you're looking to do. So meaning, you know, if, uh, you go with maybe a more emerging brand, you might mm -hmm. have some more flexibility on the financing of the brand. Although there's even established brands that'll finance uh, the franchise fee as well. Um, you know, by finance, I don't necessarily necessarily mean, you know, taking out an interest loan, maybe just making, you know, payments over the period of time. Mm -hmm. Right. So, uh, so a lot of times that's how it's financed. And especially when you purchase more than one territory, that can be the case. You may not need to have put everything up front. Uh, that's always something that's kind of negotiable depending mm -hmm. on you, depending on the brand. And, you know, a lot of brands kind of just have their standard fees and, and that's exactly what it is. So that's the, the most important one and usually the biggest upfront payment for any franchisee that actually goes to the franchisor. Yep. And then from there, another standard fee that most brands has is a royalty. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who aren't familiar with what a royalty is, uh, typically it's a fee paid to the franchisor and it's a percentage of gross sales. Mm -hmm. um, so many brands, again, it all varies, but I would say most brands are somewhere between one to 8% mm -hmm. uh, in terms of their royalties. So that comes right off the top. And that's uh, essentially the fee for all the inherent benefit you have of being a franchisee. Yep. So that's how the franchisor makes the majority of their money. Right. Um, and initially, some people have a little bit of a knee jerk because it's like, well, I've already bought in, you know, why do I have to pay this royalty? But it's incentivizing the franchisor to help you grow and be successful because what that fee does is it's essentially related to how well you're doing. So the franchisor has a vested interest in making you successful, not just to tell other potential franchisees, hey, look at all those successful people we have in our uh, brand, but also they make more money when you make more money. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and one of the golden, you know, kind of, uh, 
places that franchisors try to get to is being royalty sufficient, meaning they're making, you know, enough money just on the royalties that they don't need any other sort of additional income. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, their goal. And a lot of the successful ones have done that, obviously, and then some. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a lot of people, like you said, have a knee jerk of going, oh, my gosh, I don't want to pay that much for, uh, you know, percentage. Why would I do that when I can keep all the money? However, you know, one, like you said, it usually includes a lot of the support and Mm -hmm. and other, uh, you know, kind of... uh, I don't, I don't want to say, uh, you know, sort of parts of the the brand that you can't measure, right? Mm-hmm. So the immeasurable parts of the brand that they provide, right? Uh, but also, there's kind of another way to look at it is a lot of people will say, you know, I, I don't know if I want to pay all that. But if you think about if you work at a corporate job and you've been there for a long period of time, right? And you, you're successful, you're experienced, you cost a lot of money. Who's mostly the first group of people that a corporation looks to fire? that portion, right? That the really expensive, experienced person, even though they might do a great job, they feel like they can find a, a lesser version of you, you know, or make up for you in an aggregate for much cheaper. Mm-hmm. It's completely reversed in franchising. Mm-hmm. Now, franchising, they can't fire you anyway. However, the people they're looking to give the most benefit to are the people that are the most experienced, the highest earning, right? So so it really is like a, a partnership, you know, and, th- and that's really the best way to look at it. And when you see these big royalties and quote unquote big, uh, you know, that usually means that franchisor pres- provides a lot of support and a lot of intrinsic value that, you know, you're not going to get if you were just doing it on your own. So that's another big fee that people can get caught up in. But if, if you look at it from a different angle, uh, you know, you can see it as a benefit in a, in a, like I said, a partnership that you get to be a part of. For sure. A couple good points in there. So first being, uh, you know, that, that royalty includes ongoing training and support, right? right? So, you know, as you go through your franchise journey and, you know, you're in either month one, six, year six, you know, whatever the case may be, you're going to have situations that come up that you're going to need some guidance with, you know, the, the operating manual doesn't tell you how to do every or handle every little situation that comes up. Those are not, there's going to be things that naturally come up that isn't necessarily in the book that you do need help navigating. So that royalty gives you access to both the franchisor as well as the other franchisees that are in the system to help collaborate and, you know, ensure your success. Cause you know, everybody's paying into that and it's, you know, a, a, an ability, it's, it's an opportunity to be able to connect with other people. Um, well, and also, sorry, not to cut no, you off, good. but a good franchisee understands their value, you know, mm-hmm. and it's okay to, to push on the franchise or to say, hey, I think we should try this. I think we should do this. And you know that you have that say because of what you did, sure. you know, every single month and for the past few years by paying into that royalty. So you should, you know, it's it's good. It really is a partnership. Just like if you were, you know, in a 50-50 split with someone, you know, mm-hmm. it's not exactly the same, but it's it's the same premises, right? That you're saying, hey, we're going to kind of work in tandem for everyone to be successful, for me to be successful, and for you to be successful. So that's another way to look at it. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, what I was going to say, the other, uh, you know, idea behind the royalty is that you... you can look at them as a metric to compare brands. So just as you had mentioned before, there's different royalty amounts for different brands, even in the same industry, but that's typically relative to the amount of support that they can offer you. So if you see a brand that has a smaller, a lower royalty percentage, a couple questions you might ask is, okay, well, how does that affect the support? Because like any business and a franchisor is a secondary business, you need to make money, right? So if yeah. you're not charging a lot on your product, 
you're, there's probably some bells and whistles that aren't included on a product that's more of a premium price. Sure. So, you know, if you have two brands in the same home service industry, one charges a 2% royalty and the other one charges an 8 or 9% royalty, you, you got to look deeper than just what that royalty percentage is. You have to say, what do I get for this? Just as right. you've mentioned before, the fees within a franchise system, it's not to take away. It's what am I buying? What am I getting right. for? So that's another thing that you want to look into when you're shopping around for brands is not just what the royalty is, but what do I get? For sure. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a that's a 100% a great point. And, you know, understand that franchisors – and franchise brokers like us are, are comparing, contrasting all the time. So there is a market element of it. You know what I mean? So just like you said, certain industries understand what everybody else is doing. You know, so there is a uh, a relative factor, right? They understand, mm-hmm. okay, like I can only charge X amount if I'm doing this. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's a good thing to know, like you said, when you're shopping, comparing brands within an industry and then also just in the franchise industry in general, right? If there are different maybe uh, actual consumer industries, you can understand, oh, you know, this may be an 8%. However, it's a different industry where there's it's more profitable and they're providing more service than, you know, a 2% royalty where I'm maybe not getting quite as much from the franchise or I'm responsible for a lot of those things. Um, another big one that a lot of people see, and this is you know, not, not, I wouldn't say a hard one to swallow, but it's the marketing fund. So -hmm. it can be harder on some of the smaller emerging brands for people to see value in it, but it's really a good, um, a good buy-in over the long term, and you really see this with brands that kind of go from you know like right past emerging, and then really get to that point where they're into the you know like a mid-sized franchise because that uh, marketing. national brand marketing fund is usually a percentage. Usually it's one or 2%. And uh, that can really make a big difference down the road. So even if you don't see it right away, you can see that that uh, can show up in a lot of different places, whether it's large commercial accounts, right? So a lot of different, if you're in a home service brand, maybe they're, uh, they're able to market to different like, you know, whatever commercial accounts you can get on a national scale, or, you know, you can even see like national marketing in terms of, uh, you know, like advertising, uh, uh, spend and, and you'll see a lot of different brands will kind of come the royalty and the national marketing fund kind of tie into each other. Mm -hmm. So you'll see, they kind of, a lot of times average out in an industry where you'll see, you know, someone has 8% royalty and then a 1% marketing fund. The other has a 7% royalty and a 2%, you know, and they, a lot of times they kind of add up to about the same, uh, same effect. So that's a, you know, another one that maybe you don't see right away, but down the Mm -hmm. line you can see, uh, some real benefits, especially from a good franchisor. Uh, and that's always something that in the FDD and in the franchise agreement that has to be put usually in some form of maybe not an escrow account, but a separate account that has to be tracked. So uh, something for you to know that's not that it's not possible for them to just pocket that, you know, and, yeah. and see it as additional profit. If it is written in as a national brand fund, uh, it does have to be used as such. It's not like the yeah. royalty where it is up to the franchise or how they, you know, allocate it up. Uh, in their own uh, business and, and in their own system. Yeah, no, that, that's a really good point to bring up because, you know, a lot of people might look at that and say, oh, well, you're six is one half dozen the other, but it's not, you know, you, it yes. really, you can't just look at an, it, if you have a, like, like you said, a 6% uh, royalty and a 2% brand fund and a 7% royalty, the 1% brand fund, those dollars are being used differently when it goes to the franchisor. And as a franchisee, you should really be aware of that because even though it's 8% off for you out of pocket, that 8% is not divvied up equally. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. You do want to know the, the differences between the two. And, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a few other fees that can be uh, a big one. Usually, is technology fee. Pretty much every single franchise has some form of CRM, some form of back end technology. That's generally, you know, whether it's proprietary or some, uh, you know, larger, subscription. Yeah, yeah, subscription that's usually branded. There is a uh, you know fee for that. Most most franchise systems aren't really making any money on that. That just some monthly fee that you know contributes for the ability for them to you know actually provide not only. Uh, the entire system, but for your specific franchise location. So, yep. Yeah. And I was going to say, you know, us being franchisors as well as franchise brokers, uh, in the beginning, I didn't really get what the tech fee was going to be used for, you know, because it's like, oh, you know, we do a lot of things kind of by hand, if you will. Right. Um, but as we grew and, you know, you realize a lot of these technologies and subscriptions that are really vital to smooth out the operation, they're not cheap, especially when you're doing it for a system and not just a single location. Um, so that's one of those fees that I didn't really get at first, even being a franchisor, but you know, soon after you th- those fees start to stack up. And the nice thing is those technology fees, it's not like it's a static fee that, you know, it's just going for this, this, and this software. As a franchisor, you're constantly looking for different ways to even more efficientize the entirety of the operation. So there the franchisors are or should be always looking for different softwares that they could use to actually make your day-to-day a lot easier, whether it be, you know, through the standard operation, backend tracking, whatever the case may be. So as that technology fee might be like, oh, like, you know, this is kind of like a BS, whatever, there is a lot yeah. more that goes into it than just another, you know, check that you have to stroke. Well, and not only that, you're you're definitely benefiting from the, you know, collective buying power, mm-hmm. right? Because the franchise system's probably getting it for a better deal than retail. And it's customized to what your business does. So a lot of C there's a you know there's a lot of CRMs out there that yeah. do a great job. But if you wanted to build it to exactly what you do, you know it may be a, a quite not only expensive but quite a bit of time. You know as we know uh, to actually build out the CRM to make it work for what you're trying to do, right? For what your specific system is, where the franchise systems already done that on your behalf. So exactly. you know a lot of times that's that's a really good benefit. And you know whether it's the franchise system itself or the actual uh, CRM or or whatever applications they're using. Uh, there's usually a pretty good tech support aspect of it, right? Because again, there's a partnership, there's a dual benefit of both of you and the franchise who are making sure that the technology is working. So if you have multiple problems, it's not just, you know, someone at a large company that really doesn't care about you. It's a, you know, it's you and the franchise are going, what's going on, you know? Yep. And, and, and a lot of times some of the bigger systems even have that stuff in house, which is, you know, really great because that's someone actually on the payroll that's making sure that your technology is working. Yep. Absolutely. And I, I think that's a pretty good gauge of all the general fees that a franchisee right. is going to incur. And of course, like we mentioned, it's going to depend. If you're in a food franchise, obviously there's supply fees because you have to sure. more than likely purchase the product from the franchise mm-hmm. or to some capacity. Um, Again, and, same thing. They're going to benefit a lot yeah. of times from the buying power. You're yeah. going to get a rebate. You're going to get a discounted branded, you know, make sure that somebody's sourcing all your stuff the proper way where you would have to go through all that, you know, all the time. And if you got dropped by X supplier, you know, you don't have to scramble. That's on the franchise or, and and they have people doing that every single day. Um, well, you can focus on your business. Exactly. Yep. So, um, with that being said, so those are are pretty much all the fees now kind of getting, so that's like the cost, if you will, in terms of like a day-to-day type thing. So let's uh, circle back a little bit in terms of if you are a person who's interested in, you know, potentially buying a franchise, um, what's the typical 
cash requirement and what's the typical total investment for, you know, generic A brand? Yeah, I mean, I would say our average franchise brand is going to look at about $50,000 in cash that you're mm-hmm. going to need. Um, you know, you can do that in a multitude of different ways, but you if you're at $50,000 liquid, you have a good amount of options. It doesn't mean if you have less, you have no options, mm-hmm. but you definitely have considerably less than if you have at least $50,000 liquid. That's a great point. And, uh, you know, I, yeah, I would say about $50,000. There's multiple ways you can finance the remaining portion. And, uh, you know, like anything, it, it all kind of depends on your location, yourself as a person, mm-hmm. and then that particular brand at that particular moment. So what I mean by those factors are, you know, your location, if you're in a really good spot, the French, you know, you have a metropolitan area, the franchise may not want to be willing to negotiate and or help finance somebody that they don't feel like is a super strong financial candidate. However, if you have a lot of experience and, you know, you click really well with the culture and the brand, maybe they have some more give. Sure. So that's so that's a big factor. Um, and then the third one, you know, the, the particular brand at that moment, you know, if they're a merging brand, they may be willing to negotiate more than an established brand or, you know, if they're just looking to get that, that sold off. So I think you're looking at about $50,000 on average liquid cash, uh, to get most of the brands in our portfolio at least started with mm-hmm. one unit. And, uh, you know, that's that's a pretty good starting point if, if you have that. For sure, yeah. And let's just say that you have a brand that has a total investment of, you know, a hundred to 150000 mm-hmm. So if that's what they say the total investment is and they require 50000 liquid, that remaining, you know, $100,000 that you have to come up with can be financed in a multitude of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be done using a traditional small business loan, the mm-hmm. SBA financing, home equity loans, uh, 401k, know, 401k, yeah. yep, personal uh, loans yeah. that can be given. So there's a lot of other ways to subsidize those initial investment costs that you don't have to have it out of pocket. So as you're looking through FDDs and financial requirements, if you see total investment of you know being 100 to 150 or something along those lines, Looking term, looking uh, one step deeper and saying, okay, what's the liquid cash required? Because there's a lot of financing opportunities to supplement that initial cash sure. investment. Yeah, and then understanding too, a lot of people say, wow, geez, I, I'm I'm looking at this total investment, and as we break down the things that I have to do or or the items that I have to purchase and or put down, I'm not seeing where the remaining you know fifty sixty percent is. A lot of times, particularly. Uh, uh, you know, for the franchises that we work with, they're looking at additional capital. So really what they want half the time is just to make sure you have enough capital in the bank account that if the first month or third month or whatever is maybe not as busy as you were anticipating or, you know, for whatever reason, uh, there's a dip in sales or or there's an unforeseen expense, you have enough cash in the business to not, you know, be uh, totally tight mm-hmm. and, and, and have a problem making payroll or, or making rent. So, You'll see that a lot of times that a hundred fifty thousand dollar total investment includes maybe sixty thousand dollars in you know additional, additional capital, funds. working yeah. capital, yeah, yep. right, additional funds, big one, and uh, you know th- that's something that you they do require you to have so that you have it. But again, you're not necessarily putting that out; you're just making sure that's available to be invested, right? Yeah, uh, uh, to be used if needed. However, you know if you're able to produce sales quickly, then you may not even have to have to put that out. So that's something to uh, to pay attention to as you're redu- reviewing FTDs and, and the total cash. Yep. And as much as a, a franchisor is looking to add franchisees into their system, it, it's a 
matchmaking process. They're not just trying to sell you. This is not a buy and fly type of relationship. The franchisor, you're, you're essentially getting married, right? Yeah. So the franchisor wants to make sure that you're set up for success. And that's why they have the certain capital requirements to be a part of their brand. Similar, similarly to what you were saying, you know, the, the additional funds that might be just access to a line of credit. Sure. You know, that could be enough because they just want to make sure that to your point, if, yeah. you know, you don't, the ramp up isn't as quick or if, you know, just say you live in the northern part of the country and you have a record breaking snow season and you can't operate for a week right, because right. the snow is interfering, you know, that, that could affect it. And they don't want something like that to basically end your business. They, they want right. to make sure that you're well capitalized to weather the first, you know, six months to a year and then you get into a rhythm and then, you know, you're pretty much smooth sailing after that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of times the reason small businesses fail, not that aren't franchise or management and, and being undercapitalized. So yep. they're trying to qualify you as a manager or, or at least as an owner who has a qualified manager and then making sure you're well capitalized, you know, and, and if you have the right system, which these franchisers, franchisors have built, you know, you, you have a much higher probability of success than, say, um, somebody who's starting on your own without those factors. So that, that's why they do that, you know. Mm -hmm. So if you're really looking at the cost of a franchise, uh, you know, kind of this, to sum it all up, it's those those three big ones, the most important one, you know, franchise fee, uh, uh, the national brand fund, and then the royalty are, you know, the, the three main ones. And then sure. pretty much everything else is kind of uh, add-ons and, and dependent on the brand and, uh yeah, that, that's kind of what it looks like on an expense side. Yep. And just to uh, make it tangible, all of these fees are explained in the FDD, right. um, which we won't get into super in depth in this episode because that could be a whole one on itself. But the FDD, the Franchise Disclosure Document, it's a standardized document that all franchise brands have to produce. And it's all structured in the same format. So you're able to compare somewhat apples to apples, one brand sure. to another across the industries. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And all, the, all those fees that we had talked about, they're outlined in pretty much every FDD that you can find if they have those fees. Uh, so just something as a little FYI to know as you're shopping around. Yeah. And it's great if you're, if you're talking to a particular brand one, if you have a broker that can like help explain it, but any good development managers worth their salt has an understanding of what other FDDs are. They might not look sure. at other FDDs, but if, if you, if you have questions saying, Hey, so-and-so says this and yours says X, they're, they're going to have an answer for, Oh, you know, that's because we do this. And I don't know if they do, but you know, they're yep. going to have a, an understanding of, of the FTD. So it's a good document, not just to read and, and understand to say, Oh, this is what it is, but you can really kind of go line by line. Um, especially on the cost side with your uh, with your development manager that you're engaging with or multiple development managers and say, hey, I have a question about this. I thought it was included in the royalty, but it's not. Can you explain why it's, why it's relevant and, and how you guys structure it? So that's a, a, a good point to make, like you said, to, to really dive into that FTD and um, go through what the not only the startup costs are, right, but also the ongoing costs as well that you'll have for the life of the franchise. Absolutely. And as always, if you are in the process of picking a franchise brand for yourself to buy into um, and you're looking for a little more help, you know, we're happy to give assistance, you know, walking you through every step of the process. That's what we're here to do. So feel free to reach out with any questions and we'll be happy to help. Yep. Cool. Till next time. See you later.